You're listening to the Therapist to Millions podcast, where we get under the skin and into the brains of the world's leading therapists with Dr. Susan Spicer and myself, Damian Mark Smith, as we delve into the world of all kinds of effective therapies with fascinating and challenging cases, plus marketing tips and what's really working in mental health right now. Hello and welcome to the Therapist to Millions podcast, where we get under the skin and into the brains of the world's leading therapists and coaches. And today, all the way from Asia, no less, we really are an international show here, you know. Uh, We have John Farrell, who has been a coach for 20 years, mostly in uh, UK business. Uh, And he's lived and worked in a number of different continents, Europe, Asia, America and Australia, mostly in management sales training and leading companies locally and internationally. Uh, John spent eight years training in the UK to an NLP master's um, status, and then two years working with the developer of clean language and pioneer of emergent knowledge therapy. Now, crucially, he's been working in Myanmar as it opened up to the world after 50 years of dictatorship. And in the last few months, as obviously the country's descended into civil war, He's been dealing with PTSD in the general public. So John really is a man at the front lines in the world's mental health crisis. John, welcome to the show. Great to have you on. Thank you. Thank you for welcoming me, Damien. Damien. So it makes me feel old when you sort of list all that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you don't look it, so you're doing well. You're doing something well. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you very much. So obviously you've got quite a long uh, quite a long CV there, but let, let's talk about the therapy side, I think, because that's really interesting. So just give me a little bit of a, a kind of an insight into how you got into that. Uh, obviously, you've been doing a lot of work in businesses first. So it, it started um, when I started my uh, NLP uh, math, master's and, yeah. and, and I was getting into that. But, you know, NLP, my perception today, this was you know, 15 years ago now, um, is that NLP's there's a manipulative nature to it. You're you're trying to influence somebody by changing the language, by changing the um, the the properties of a you know if you're trying to uh, remove a spider phobia, you're trying to um, you change the imagery, the the, the concepts of that. So that it was a manipulative and and you know it works sometimes. Quite often it doesn't work. We did a we did a, 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 a presentation in front of a university in Somerset. Um, and there were six of us on stage and we had six smokers and five of them, you should be able to get a person over smoking in 60 seconds. Yeah. Or you're not, or you're not doing it right. Well, how was that right? My one didn't work. Um, it didn't stick. And there's a deeper reason. And there's a reason people smoke. It's either the environment, you know, if you live with six smokers, you're going to become the seventh smoker or it's a response from the unconscious. The unconscious has got a problem, a challenge, an emotional event that happened, um, you know, an early inner child um, trauma, that sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. the only way that the unconscious can deal with it, and it can't deal with it, but it creates this, this addiction, this smoking to soothe its nerves, if you like. So with that NLP Masters, I was and we had this guy turn up, we were doing a conference in Somerset, and he turned up, um, Genius, recognized as a genius in the psychotherapy field, David Grove. He did a lot of the seminal, the early work in autism and Asperger's. And he realized that, you know, they have trouble dealing with their emotions. Um, and and, and, and this, this is one of the big sort of blocks that they have to functioning. So he worked, how could he work with them around their emotions? So we met him, he came to Somerset to the conference just turned up one day at the back and he, he came to stay with my colleague for a couple of years. 
Clean language was something he developed in the in the 90s. Um, and it's quite widespread in business now. I've got a, a fantastic, let me just do an ad for Caitlin's book, Contempt Curiosity, phenomenal right. book. It's it's um he uses clean language symbolic um symbolic modeling techniques in business. So he stayed with us for two years and he moved the the clean language on into emergent knowledge. And what that's doing is just by me as a therapist talking to you, I'm having an influence. Now, if I say why or what, I'm having a huge influence because I'm pushing a sort of an agenda onto you. So clean language isn't, it's not about not swearing. It's about limiting my influence as much as possible on the client. Yeah. So I won't use any of their words. I have 12 questions that I use. Um, so I'm and reflecting back their words. And that's taking it, you're getting out of the un, out of the conscious into the unconscious. And that's where the client needs to work because the client set a pattern up, so they smoke. I have no idea where that came from. They invariably don't either because it's, it's back in the unconscious. And that's where we have to work. Therapist, classical therapy, hypnotherapy, NLP especially, um, they, they, they more work on the conscious. Yeah. If you get a good NLP therapist, it's the right time, the right client. Um, the hypnotherapy is the same. It can really dig through, get into the unconscious, and figure out the the real reason for the for the smoking. The smoking is the presenting issue. So the therapy work that I do, and I tend not to do therapy now because it it, it, it it's quite energetically draining. So I've pulled it back, and I tend to use it much more in coaching. The challenge I have is, of course, that when I'm working with the client, coaching wise. The approach that I have, it comes up. It's the first time that the client invariably has had somebody that their unconscious can start to communicate with. Um, and me being out of the picture, me trying to have as limited influence as possible, I, I can do coaching sessions in silence. Nice. Where the, where the, the, because just for the client to have to answer me means I'm part of the system. So, you know, if, if and it's challenging for me, as I said, energetically, because I have the 12 questions and the timing. When do I ask one of those questions? And when do I time it? And those questions and timing don't come from me. They emerge from the client. So I'm asking them when their system is is ready to accept the next question. And that's that that took 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 me. We, we used to do seven day retreats. So it took me about six months in a retreat. While I have clients, I'm also self self processing. It took me about six months to get to a state where I could actually do it in silence, have the client doing, not speak, not communicating. So what's happening there is they're just processing through. The next question comes in; it's the right question. They keep the role; they, they keep it rolling along. Phenomenally different results to normal therapy or, or normal yeah. coaching. The other, the other. Um, thing I do which is quite neat is to work co-facilitate with horses um so I'll have a client um in the arena because that's the horse's environment now we don't do anything with the horse it's eating grass so I'm working with the client keeping to those 12 questions reflecting back what they're saying um so the last one I did the the woman was working on her her vision her goals her future how it was all going to fit together and she sort of set up a timeline it was all in front of her you know the line was sort of where she was and it was all mapped out around her and now if i was a 
classical coach, I'd be looking at how can I get her to step into it? What does she need to do to, well, that would be dirty interaction for me, for my concept, because she needed to step into it. Now, had I encouraged her to do that, I would be part of the system and it wouldn't have the impact because I'd sort of nudged her. You know, she might ask me a question and if I gave a direction, it's really hard to do. I have to put my ego aside. Now, she was she was starting to actually, she sort of, there was it coming, she knew what she had to do, but there was, you know, there was, and she was actually starting to roll. At that stage, the horse just came up behind her and nudged her. Now, I couldn't do that with physically or with my words, but the horse does. So the feedback afterwards, you know, the horse is there, it's 400 pound archetype. That's the horse's fault. Oh, well, how can it be the horse's fault? So suddenly this projection that she would have done onto the therapist, onto me, she mm. tried to go onto the horse, but it's a horse. So what's she going to remember? Years later, and I haven't talked to her subsequently, but years later, she'll remember the horse and then what came from it. She won't, she may remember me. I'd like to think she did, my ego would, but she'll remember the horse because the horse was what made her do it. But it wasn't the horse that made it do it. I mean, it's a horse. How can it sort of like, you know, say something or push her when she needed to be pushed? It, it can't. The therapist horse, yeah. <laughs> I, exactly. I, it does It does, It does. does take us a while. It took us about a year. The, the, the horses we had were X-ray horses. So it took a, about a year or so to get those horses to be horses because, you know, horses are it, it, they're almost a metaphor for us. We keep them in boxes. We hit them with sticks to make them race. We, 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 we mold them into what we want. So it took us a while to get the horses to just be horses. But when they had that interaction, because it was clean, because of the fact they were a horse, much more impact on the client. I can't do that all the time. You know, in England, it rains. The horses aren't quite so great in Myanmar. But it's that trying to, working on getting the client to self-process, going to a self-hypnotic state, so I, I sometimes ask coaches how long do they leave between questions because the, the, the information, the knowledge is in the silence between the questions. Mm-hmm. And you'll have some quote, some some coaches that sort of go two minutes or some coaches that will wait until the client turns to look at them, which means that the coach has become part of the system. So in the retreats, my average is about 30 minutes between questions. Nice. That, that's the average. The record is five hours doesn't mean I can go and make a cup of coffee. I'm still holding the space. But when a client is working on their own stuff, they're, they're, they're pulling stuff out of their conscious. So the smoking is a presenting issue. They know about the smoking. They should stop it, whatever. What What's really going to stop them is pulling the stuff from their unconscious. And when you can get a client answering a question, so it's only a, a question. A, one of the questions is, and, and then what happens? That can be 40 minutes, can be an hour before they they look for the next question. So they're self-processing through that that evolution of what's coming up for them. Um, And and this is something that most people have never had. Most of us never get a chance to tell our own story. Mm, Um, And I'm not part of the system. So they're not telling me, they're they're putting it out there. So yeah, so it's... you know it's sort of working when the client starts to spend 60 minutes answering a question it's physically quite exhausting because there's seven days and we do those you know they're they're at least 12 hour days sometimes they finish at one o'clock in the morning because 
if a client has a has an emotional event or or a trauma, you can't sort of say, "Well, we paid for sixty minutes, we have to stop." You, you need to <laughs> you, go. You got to sort stop. it out in a minute. We got we got lunch. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And and yeah. So so I I pulled back from it because what I found was that about and I've talked to other therapists, and this is a sort of a, a ballpark figure, about 30% of people have had serious trauma, abuse, PTSD. Um, and an awful lot of people, it, it hasn't it hasn't made them dysfunctional. It's made them sort of have certain behaviours. So they've never really spoken to anybody about it. Mm. And I, I worked with the international sports team um, a few years back. And that's why I first ran into this 30% thing. I'm thinking... God, these these people are playing sport to that level, and I'm I'm thinking right. I'm going to go in, and we're going to talk about motivation and how they can get themselves into the right space to to go onto the field, concentrate, all the usual sort of sports stuff. And in the afternoon, I'm dealing with trauma. So it's that 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 can be quite hard work. Um, yeah, I mean, let's days. um let, let's let's go on to some results. So using hypotheticals. And no identifying factors. What what are some examples of some amazing success stories, and maybe like an, a, a less successful one? I think you've already mentioned one, but and an, an unusual one. I, I mean, I could I could tell you about sort of things with businesses, but I, I've spent the last few years in Myanmar, um, and we arrived there just probably three or four months before the first quasi democratic election so we were followed it was it was sort of a police state you know all the foreigners and there was a few hundred lived in one a, a couple of um hotels mm-hmm. um and then they had the vote and it was like the 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 um the dam had been burst suddenly people would talk to you in the street and they really wanted to learn and it, it was incredible and to be there to encourage that to support it and and I used a lot of coaching techniques because the education system's so bad. Um, just to move these these people on, they, they, I, I I can't explain it. Just yeah, it's not sort of you know they didn't turn into millionaires or have these phenomenal results. Well, but in their life they did. So the average wage now is forty dollars a month. Wow. Um, and I have two guys now. I have one Burmese. Um, Guys, one's in Spain, one's now in Germany, um, and he's on he's on about three thousand US dollars a month, no expenses because the, the job he has is no accommodations paid for, taxes covered, medicals covered. So, you know, that's phenomenal. His his wife it works in Yangon and she gets forty dollars a month. He gets three thousand. Wow! And it was the coaching techniques that um, that that really brought that to the fore for me because they'd been taught conventionally you know by rote not quite as bad as we do in the west as it is in england but so much more but so they couldn't think inside the box because they couldn't find the box and just getting them to start sort of so so one example one of the guys who was fitting it fixing a piece of equipment um he's an engineer he's fixing a piece of equipment well no i asked him to fix a piece of equipment and he brought it to me and he said oh, it's broken i said that's why you're fixing it I don't have a manual. I don't have a manual either. Well, so we go and he come back. I don't, I don't have all the tools. Okay, there's some more tools there. You've got these guys here. You can ask him for tools. So he goes, comes back a couple of minutes later with another excuse. After about four or five times, he's like, okay, I need to go and fix it. 
but I might break it. It's broken. Go and fix it. So he goes away and he has a play and eventually he puts it back together. It wasn't a big problem, but just that switch of think, right, I've got to, I've got to do this and this is, and I've got to uh, change completely. Now, now he was a guy who his brothers in, in the army down there, which is what the problem in Myanmar is, um, army lieutenant in the army, he's on $60 a month. So he's been paid a bit more. This guy, I sent him to a, a, a he was, he went to a, a 200 foot boat in Thailand and he was getting paid 2,500 a month for two years. For a guy whose peers, whose friend's father was getting paid between $40 and $75 a month. Totally, absolutely, completely. But it wasn't me teaching them the skills how to be an engineer, or that was part of it, but it was actually being able to function, think, and then critically think. And just putting those processes in place. That, that, that was... I mean, yeah, the, the guy in Germany, the guy in Spain, they're, they're earning great money. But it's not it's the fact that they can function in a completely different culture. That's what's made the really big difference. What about an unusual um, case, something that's really interesting, fascinating? Well, I, 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 I could, I've spent the last few years in Myanmar and in the, probably the saddest part uh, we didn't really do COVID. So COVID, COVID arrived in Myanmar six months before you know, it became widely known in China. Um, so we sort of, and they didn't really, so there was no lockdown anywhere because this is you know, two years ago plus. Um, and then it sort of got out of control around the world, but because Myanmar was starting to get locked off, it didn't really take off to the extent down there. So we sort of missed lockdown here. We came back here right at the end of lockdown so i never really got into lockdown thank goodness what i was dealing with down there was ptsd so i go to the bar the pub and you know they, they i mean i don't know if you know about me and but the armies walk back in and they're just mm -hmm. killing people mm -hmm. literally in the streets and it's the millennial generation that are at the forefront of this these kids have spent 10 years opening up to the world and, and getting jobs and, and interacting with foreigners and being able to travel Suddenly the army steps in. So they're one step. So I'm sitting in the bar there dealing, you know, having a beer with somebody who's got PTSD. Um, just in that, just in a general conversation. Come back to England and I'm seeing the same things. You can't lock down a population for you know, one or two years and not expect mental health issues to come up. And of course it's not it's not being dealt with. So not unusual, I suppose, but you know. I think even as coaches now, I think you have to be aware that that it's going to be so much harder to get people to set outcomes and goals and when they're coming out of that situation. And yeah, it's 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 been quite challenging because you see it, you you see it. I'm sure the other coaches listening and people on here they'll be familiar with this yeah. sort of. They're probably suffering it themselves. Two years, as you were in England, a year under house arrest effectively in prison effectively you it's i loved it i absolutely <laughs> loved it I, I, me and my partner we just had the best time we just I mean, we both worked Fantastic. working but we just had the best time um how on that on that note how do you look after your own mental health i have the same attitude the same attitude as you've got you know covid was 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 really bad i mean a lot of people struggled with covid 
but there's silver linings in it. Ken Wilber said that you know by 2050 there will be there will be communities of high conscious people, people that don't want to put up with the crap that's going on at the moment. And he he said that in the um, 15 years ago, I think, because quite a while ago. I think COVID has made a lot more people sit up and go, this is not right. You know, I spend 45 minutes catching the tube into London. I don't get paid for it. I spend 45. That's you know, that's an hour and a half a day, every day, five days a week that I, I waste. And it's not nice. It's 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 stressful. I love going on the, uh, the, the, the sky train in Bangkok with Asians because it's much more comfortable. Russia, I used to sardine packed in the in the carriages, but they they're just more open. If I go into the tube in London, I'm exhausted after half an hour. It, there's just so much more tense energy mm-hmm. that's coming out. So I tend to focus on the on the silver linings in in COVID, you know, and I, and I think a lot of people uh, are sitting up and they're saying, you know, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. This is this is not right. And in this this great resignation that's happening, people are they're actually doing something about it. So there's some real real benefits to come out of COVID. So I, you, you get what you focus on, you know, where you focus, your energy goes. Yeah. So I'm focusing on helping people figure out what their next steps are. You know, there's a lot of people going, what do I do? And and we can't look to the government. The government, it's not their responsibility. We, 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 we try to push it onto the government or local council or give the responsibility to somebody else. Well, no, it's, it's, it has to come back to me taking responsibility for me. How do you look after your mental health? I meditate every day, seven yeah. day, five days, seven days a week. I go walking in the forest. But that meditation, my hour, my it's my hour of power. So partially meditation, partially learning stuff. I think feeding the mind. You know, we're, 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 we're stuck in this wanting certainty, wanting significance in the world, but really we're growth-centric human beings. So we need growth and contribution. So my hour in the morning, part of that is learning something, whether it's Jordan Peterson or um, Russell Brand or you know, Tony Robbins or anybody, it's anybody to give me different angles. You know, I might not agree with everything they say, but, you know, I, I want to get the different perspectives. I'm with you totally on Sorry. that one. Always take the dog for a, for a walk in the morning and listen to an audio book or a podcast and just sometimes random ones. Yep. Really nice. Yeah, absolutely. And there's some amazing stuff out there now. I'm listening to something called Transurfing at the moment. Incredible stuff. Oh, tell us a little bit about that. What's that? Transurfing. So it starts off with quantum physics. Everything's, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Newtonian uh, physics is yeah, everything's solid. You know, we could touch everything. But when you get down to microscopical level, it doesn't, Newtonian physics laws don't work anymore. Yeah. Turn to quantum physics. And if something's observed, it's solid. If it's not observed, it becomes energy. Everything's energy. So via that, I can influence my reality. So if I want to see the dark side, so I've cut out television. If I want to watch television, it's all negative. The media is terrible. Um, that will be my re- that will be my reality. So I'm looking at COVID from the silver lining. People are looking for something to grow, something to develop themselves. How can I help that? So I love that. What's it called? Transurfing. Is, is is that like a podcast or an audio book or a book? I mean, what? no. Transurfing is a whole new. I don't want to call it personal development technology because it's it's it's, it's a little bit difficult to get into. Um, but if you put in transurfing. 
um, on YouTube, Renee Garcia. She's an American woman who's put out hundreds of, of videos, which I consume all the time. Um, you know, the world's a mirror. You know, what, what's happening on the inside is happening on the outside. She's done three three videos just on 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 that aspect, corporate intertransifying. Oh, cool. So it's a it's a whole it's it's almost a therapy, but it's a new age therapy, if you like. So there's some incredible stuff out there. That's that's something I do. I, I also train them. Um, uh, I'm I'm a trainer for Elite Mentorship Forum, which is a great package that gives people skills in emotional mastery, relationship mastery. I, I did my coaching 20 years ago. It's goal setting, you know, grow model, smart model. But we're stuck in a buy me attitude. I have to work really hard to achieve my goals. Well, I'll be worn out by the time I get to my age. And, and there's better ways to live. A better way to live is through me where I'm going with the river and I'm, you know, I'm watching the rocks, but I'm not fighting it. We're all materialistic. And this is part of the reason we're destroying the planet because, you know, I want to get the better job and I want to get the right relationship and I'm looking for it and I'm doing courses for it or I'm out there buying more stuff. So I get it. We're doing things. We spend our lives doing stuff, but we're human beings. And that, that's where we have to refocus. Instead of trying to get stuff and do things, do, do I need a new car all the time? Or it's not the new car. It's the essence of it's, feeling of having the new car well i can have the new car right i can have the feeling of having the new car right now mm -hmm. so feeling yeah. the wish fulfilled right now mm. then i don't have to buy the new car i love that that's brilliant if you enjoyed this week's episode of the therapist to millions podcast may we invite you to check out our free for life therapist to millions online membership course for therapists and coaches who want to grow their business without trading more time for dollars we've created the world's premier digital marketing resource exclusively for therapists and it's yours for free for life just head over to therapist to millions.com and sign up now